Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Shady by Nature. Oh, ah. You know, I um, am really enjoying this weather change. You know, spring is coming, honey, and it's happening earlier, which means we're probably going to have a really, really hot summer. But, you know, around this time, everybody starts to go a little crazy, and they start to get a little, you know... I need a boo, you know, no, whatever, all that type of stuff, you know. So, I'm like, you know, people, someone asked me yesterday, like, oh, what do you think about, like, dating and about, especially, like, in the summertime? Because some people, they want to have a boo to go on trips. And then the other people are like, uh-uh, cuffing season is over. It's time to be single. It's time to live my best life and be out here running the streets and thought, thoughting it away, you know. I personally feel like all year round I'm single just because I haven't found anybody that I want to, you know, date. Like, I've had a few people that I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. And then it's like something that is just like the connection is not there. Especially now, being in my 30s, I really feel like your perception uh, of how you view people and your what you're looking for really changes. And a lot of people say, oh, you're starting to become desperate, you know, when you get in your 30s and you're like, y'all, you give up all these high... And it's not that you give up on standards because I definitely still have standards, but you realize that a lot of the stuff that you were younger in your 20s that you were looking for in this long list and it was very superficial and none of that really equaled love or equaled what a relationship should really be about, a partnership, you know, someone that makes you stronger, you know... You're looking at all the superficial stuff. Is he this? Is he this? He got to be this. He got to be look like this. Got to be look like that. Got to have this. Got to do that. Got, you know? And that's not really what a relationship should be based off of. And that's why you're a lot of times relationships in our 20s and younger ages don't last because we don't care about what's on the inside. We're looking at child. What he going to look like when I post him on Instagram? What he going to look like? My friends going to like him? Because that's something I've never really been like, you know. What my friends going to say if I bring him around? Oh, I can't bring him around my friends. He don't meet this, their, you know, their um, ex- ex- expectations, you know, and all that stuff. And then, you know, you really get to a point where you're like, hey, I like what I like. And if you don't, I don't care. Because none of your relationships have worked either. Okay? So, we're all going to mind our business here. And I don't want to be on a double date with y'all anyway. I'm not really a double date person because I don't want to be trying to entertain y'all. You know, that's one of the reasons a lot of people say, why do you keep your friends separate? Like, I don't necessarily keep my friends separate. But I know how I am. And I like to be able to give the friend that I'm with at that time all of my attention. I don't want to have to try to, you know, hold multiple conversations. And it wears it wears you out when you like to be that person that's fully engaged with their friend. And, you know, you have your friends that you go and chill with and y'all ain't got to say a word. You know, y'all can just be sitting there chilling and it is what it is. And then you have your other friends where you go and like, it's time to turn up. Like, we, we, we constant talking. We, you know, we're out in the streets. We're doing whatever. And then you have your friends that you just be like, I need to talk. Can you listen? That's it. And then you got your friends that they need to talk and you listen, you know? So friendships have different dynamics. And I don't know how I got here. Um, let me let me backtrack in my head to try to figure out how I got to talking about 
uh, friendships and oh, double dating and bringing. Okay, that's what I was talking about. Okay, but still, I don't. I just don't personally like to mix friend groups, and it's nothing shady. It's not like I'm talking shit about this friend to this friend and doing all that stuff. It's not like that at all. It's just the fact that I want to be able to give my full attention to that one friend that I'm with at the time. And if we're all in a group setting, like at a bar or a club somewhere, where the goal is not necessarily to give you all the attention, it's just to have a good time. That's different. That's different. You know? Okay. Anyway. But yeah, so I'm just not, I mean, I know somebody asked me the other day, what's your type? And I was like, I really don't have a type anymore. The only thing that I really like look for in a guy, I like height. You got to be my height or taller. I do like that. Um, That's really it. Like, I'm not out here like, you know, you got to have this in the bank. You got to do this. You got to be that. You got to, I'm not like that. Um, I just, I like who I like if we have the right vibe if we have a you know a good conversation you got to make me laugh and you got to be able to take my jokes because my sense of humor I am wild with it and I will say anything at any given time and you know I'm not really here for you being offended however if you are offended tell me and then we can talk about it because I'm probably still not going to apologize I'm just going to be like well tough it up but But TBH, to be honest, honey, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, they already probably like my sense of humor and I like theirs because I just, I, I love to laugh. Like I will laugh at almost anything just because I'm ready. I'm ready. When somebody says, oh, let me tell you something funny. I'm like, yes, I'm about to laugh. I am ready to laugh, honey. (laughs) And then I'll be like, oh, (laughs) I'll still give you a little chuckle, but I just, I don't know. You got to make me laugh and you have to have good hygiene and, um, yeah, you got to be a little taller than me, taller. That's about it. That's really, that's on my list. Don't be begging. You ain't got to be rich, but be independent. Don't be begging. And that's not to say that, hey, if you're normally good and one week something pop up and you need a few, you need me to spot you a 20. That's good. But every week we're not going to be talking about, oh, I need gas. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here for that. However, I am accepting sugar daddy applications at this moment. Oh, all right. (laughs) But I don't, yeah, you know, you can't be, you can't be controlling. You can't be the jealous type. Um, Yeah. I need to be able to say, like, hey, let's be... You cannot be clingy. I do not like a clingy person. You know, I can't. I don't like a clingy person. I am not someone that wants to be up under you 24-7. I am not someone that wants to be like, oh, wait, call me when you get home after we just had dinner. Like, all right, I'll text you. Good to see ya. You know, I am not that person. And so that's how a lot of people say, why are you single? It's really... That's mainly the reason because, like, I'm the perfect candidate for a long-distance relationship. I am the perfect candidate for that because I don't want to see you every day. I don't want to be up under you every day. And, and, and this is also could be because I have not found that person that makes me feel like that. I mean, I have not found someone that makes me want to be like, what are you doing? Where are you? Let me stalk you. Let me click here. Let me look. I'm, I just haven't found that person. I, 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 I'm not that. I don't really like people, you know? 
So it takes a lot for me to be around people constantly. That's why I don't have a lot of friends. I know a lot of people, but friends, I don't have a lot of those because I don't like people. And so in my mind, when something happens, like people keep asking me, oh, don't you want to go on a cruise? Don't you want to do this? It's not that I don't really want to go on a cruise. I need to find, I need to be able to escape somewhere, okay? I need to be able to get away. I need to be able to close the door, keep out the devil, okay? Because I... When I'm ready to turn off, I'm going to turn off and I'm going to go down. I'm going to go away. And I feel like on a cruise, like, I would be, like, literally on the boat trying to figure out how can I swim to shore. Because I need to be able to get totally away where no one knows where I'm at. Or if you know where I'm at, you know you're not coming there. You know? Because you don't just show up at my house. I will look out the window and say, I'm not here. I, you don't do that. Now, if it's an emergency, like if something, once again, I'm not an asshole. So if something's going on, then by all means, like, hey, I'm here for you. You know, I've had friends show up at 2 a.m. in the morning crying. And I'm like, okay, come on in. All right. That's, that's, that's it'll be okay. But where am I going with this? I don't know. But um, <laughs> I just really feel like in due time, it may happen. There may be someone that comes along, but I'm also very oblivious when people flirt. Like, people are like, couldn't you just tell he was flirting with you? Oh, no. Because I was hungry. And, you're, like, one time I was at a restaurant and the server was flirting with me hard. Like, he doubled my order pretty much and then didn't charge me for half of it. And everybody was like, he was flirting with you. He was flirting with you. You should have talked to him. I was like, I was hungry. I just wanted my food. Now, my thing is, if you're going to be bold enough to flirt like that, go all the way, you know, because I, you got, that's that's something that I'm attracted to. You have to be assertive. You have to be strong. I'm not the type that's going to sit back and be like, I wonder if I should, no, no. If you like me and you want me to know that, then you need to be like, hey, I like you. Here's my number. Call me maybe. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be like, Oh, 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 I think he liked me. Let me, that's, I'm, I'm never, I'm never on that level. I'm never thinking that way. I'm never paying attention to that because once again, I don't like people and nine out of 10 times, I don't understand why you're even talking to me if I did not begin talking to you. I am, that is just me as a person and you can say whatever you want about it. I don't see it changing. It's, it's, I think it comes from me being an only child and under, and, and having a lot of, time to myself and I've under I've, I've like when people say people get mad and be like I, I'm never going to talk to you or they block me or whatever usually I don't even know I'm blocked because I'm not checking I'm not trying to message you I'm not trying to all that because in my mind silence is more than golden I love the quiet I love being peaceful I love being to myself and it's like I said because I'm an only child I've I learned how to deal with that. I, I, you know, I didn't have people in my space. It was me, my mother, and my grandmother. My grandmother would be doing whatever she's doing. My mother was always at work. And it was just me doing whatever with, with, by myself, listening to music or watching TV, reading, whatever. But I learned how to keep myself occupied, even if it was talking to the voices in my head. I learned how to do that. And so a lot of times I can have a whole conversation with myself and then people be like, oh, you never told me that. But I'd be like, yes, I did. Then I'd be like, oh, no, that was when you was talking to yourself and you, you know, 
you worked it out. You know? I think that's why only children are smart. Because we've learned how to talk and reason things out to ourselves because we didn't have anybody else to bounce ideas off of. And that may be why we're so creative, too. Because we had to learn how to, to come up with things to keep ourselves entertained, to keep ourselves going. Which is maybe a reason why not a lot motivates me. I remember I used to work at a call center and they'd be like, oh, we got this. Whoever does this, the highest sales. And I'd be sitting there like, oh, well, first of all, I had the job because my mom made me work there. She worked there too. And she made me work there after school. But I, um, I never, they were like, okay, motivation time. And I'd be like, okay, all right. And they'd be like, what motivation? I'd be like, nothing. Nothing motivates me because no matter what, you're going to pay me the same every, you know, no matter. That's just not going to happen. And they're like, well, we'll give you music. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. I'm like that. It doesn't motivate me because I don't. Number one, I'm talking to people. Okay. More than I would normally would because I'm calling people on the phone. So that's number one. And, you know, that's one of the things I could really say about growing up is that because my mother worked a lot, she never really understood or knew who I was as a person, especially now. Like, there's a lot of things that I have to tell my mother about myself that she doesn't know because she would work 15, 18 hour days. So my mother would literally wake me up to go to school and I would be she would be dressed walking out the door. And then I was so sufficient. I got myself dressed, breakfast ready and walked to school and got to school. And by the time she came home, she came home just enough time to tuck me in bed. My, you know, my grandmother was there just to make sure nothing happened. But for the most part, when I was growing up, I was pretty much self-sufficient, you know? Um, even when it came down to eating, she made sure like TV dinners and stuff. I would put the TV dinner in the microwave and that was my dinner or unless my grandmother would cook. But I was very self-sufficient. And then by the time I got old enough, and she started working like normal hours i was i was old enough and in my mind i didn't need her you know i didn't have that that connection faded because i was so independent you know walking home from school latchkey kid being in the house by myself for five to six hours and i would do my homework like there was never come home did you do your it was done i just i just knew what i was supposed to do and i did it and that was a huge detriment to me because i number one didn't learn how to connect with people even when she tried to send me to the ymca after school they would always say he doesn't play with anyone He's to himself all the time and they would try to get me to interact with the other kids and stuff and I would have hissy fits. Like, I don't need y'all. I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this. And so even to this day, it took me the longest time to realize that I need to ask for help. Even recently, as of this year, and we're only at March, having to ask my mother for help with certain situations and stuff like that, it was a hard thing to do because she wasn't around. So I never looked at her as someone who could help me in situations in life. I never looked at her as someone that I could call on and be like, hey, I'm struggling. I need help right now because you were not there growing up for me to have that mindset. I hope this makes sense. And I don't know how I got here started talking about relationships, but your parents actually are the first relationship that you ever experienced. So if that relationship isn't how, you know, it should be, quote unquote, then all the rest of them are messed up. And 
well, that's how we got here. Well, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so even when it came time, I had to ask for help and go to therapy because I was struggling mentally last year. It was a very hard thing, you know, and um, struggling mentally. And it, it never, and even, even when I got older, my mother, because she didn't know how that I would just be talking for her to listen as someone just to sound off to, she would always try to interject her opinion and her style. And it would be like, lady, who are you? Like, I know you're my mother, but I did not really experience that. I would say from the ages of eight, maybe from 10. I know I shut down a lot because at eight is when my father left. And so I shut that, a huge part of me shut down there. Uh, I can't honestly remember that being the last time I really felt a strong emotion outside of when my great grandmother died was when he left because he... We went to visit, you know, I was, me and my mom were driving around and we were in my father's, you know, in that area. And I was like, oh, can I go see dad? And she was like, okay, sure. Because no matter what the issues my mother and my father had, she never stopped me from seeing him. And that's, I can't thank her for that because a lot of parents these days, you see this in the news and all this stuff going on where people, you know, she won't let me see my children. He won't let me see my children. Da, 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 da. You need your parents. So I don't care no matter what situation is going on in life. Your child needs to have both of their parents. I'm not saying if your parent, if the parent is harmful or doing certain things like that, where they have, you know, addiction, abuse, or if they have anything going on, make the decision that's best for your child, but don't be petty about it. Don't stop your child from seeing their dad because you have an issue with the parent and vice versa. Don't ch stop your child from seeing their mother because you have an issue that has nothing to do with the child or the well-being of the child. You know, everyone deserves the right and your child deserves the right to have both of their parents in their life as much as possible because that does make a big difference in your child's life. And I didn't realize that until I got older. I know where my dad is. He's in Kentucky. Well, I, I, I haven't talked to him in in years um since i was seven or eight pretty much um but from what i know he's living in kentucky and you know i i haven't got the message that he passed or anything but he's he's older so anyway but he left when i was eight seven or eight and i know that for was the last time i really i shut down then and um not too long after that is when my mother would be work, you know, I, I would be a latchkey kid um, around 10, 9 or 10. And um, I really had, you know, no reason to be emotionally available to anyone because there was no one around. Um, my grandmother, she wasn't emotionally available. She was, you, this got really deep. Hold on, wait. What happened? <laughs> How, Deborah Cox, how did we get here? Um, let's back up. We'll say the rest of this for another time. Uh, I felt myself getting real deep for a moment there. But yeah, so back to relationships. Because I didn't have that strong emotional connection with anybody really growing up except for my great-grandmother. She was like my best friend. And when she passed, I was devastated. I was the one that found that saw her first. We were all going on, going over, going over for her. She died on her birthday. So we were all going over for her birthday to surprise her. And when they opened the door, my great-grandmother did something every morning. Every morning, she would open her blinds. She lived in an apartment. She would open her blinds and read the Bible by sunlight. 
Well, this particular morning, we were it was a Sunday after church, and we were all going over, the whole family was going to surprise her uh, with a birthday celebration. And we get there, and the blinds are still closed. So immediately, we all knew something was wrong. We all knew. So I run up to the, and I'm banging on the door, and she's not answering. They're calling her, they're answering, and they wait, my uncle... Her, her, so my great uncle comes with the key to open the door, and um, they, damn, thirty years. This is this. She's been gone for over twenty years, and I'm still emotional about it. Um, she was on the couch. Um, she was. She had her. She. It's crazy because she had got up to read the Bible because she had her her Bible um, on her chest. It was open. And it was almost like she had just fell asleep on the couch. She was laid out on the couch. It was like she had fell asleep. And she had a white robe on and white slippers. And um, I was the first person to see her when they opened the door. And that was my best friend at the time. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I will never forget that moment. And that's that's the only other moment where I felt super emotional um, I didn't know what to do and they didn't know how to console me because I lost it. And it's like, how do you console a child when I was 10 years old? I was 10 years old. How do you console a child when you yourself are going through that same emotion and your emotions may be stronger because for my mother, this was her grandmother who raised them because my grandmother, my grandmother was always, you know, working or doing whatever too. So, in a sense, my mother lost her second mother, and then I lost my best friend. So, it's like, you know, once again, my mother is trying to console and deal with it herself. So, I'm just out here boo-hooing and crying, going buck round, because this is the first time I've experienced death in my life. So, not only that, first time I experienced death in my life, but it's also with the person that I would talk to all the time. I would go over her house. We would stay for summer. Like, this was my Nana. I loved her. And she's how I discovered Golden Girls. And I'm... <laughs> Golden Girls is my number one. Like, you don't mess with me and my GGs. They're my GGs, okay? But, um, yeah. So... How did we get here, Deborah Cox? So, um, that was the first time, that was the only other time I experienced, you know, and, and having to once again shut down and hide that again because my uncle, my uncle, my mother's brother, he could not understand why I as a boy was crying and he wanted nothing to do with that. And he was very, very, he's a very rigid person and he's very much an asshole and I don't deal with him at all for that reason one of the memories I um, have of him is he took me out to Rock Creek Park and was like oh hey you're gonna go out over the fence walk out on the rocks on the waterfall and get across and hope it doesn't break and drown you and he made me do it he made me walk out over the fence where it says do not cross rock, you know I mean over a waterfall it traumatic time in my childhood traumatic I was like nine years old nine years old and yeah um traumatic time for me and I shut down you know so me 
to bring this full circle, for me to get in a relationship right now, it is a lot because I am so emotionally unavailable for people because I've been hurt, but not from relationships of, you know, dating, but be from the people that were supposed to be the closest people in my family and be the champions for me. They weren't there. They weren't emotionally available. And so for me to date someone, that takes a hell of a lot to do and to be available and to be open for. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I don't know. Once again, I don't know how we got there, but I think we're there. So tune in next Tuesday where we'll talk about all new things. Until then, remember the world is marked with so many people's tragedies. Leave your mark as someone's joy. Have a good one.